Hello! Welcome to Learning by Literary Audiophiles, or Learning Be Lit AF. If you don't get that, don't worry. You are not the target audience here, because this is intended for students. And if you do get it, don't worry. I'm not trying to be funny with this podcast, so if I'm not, that means I've succeeded. My name is Theoden Humphrey, but I go by Dusty, because nothing makes sense. I'm a high school language arts teacher with 20 years of experience. I've taught everything from remedial English to advanced placement classes, generally with success. I am now in the middle of a spring break that has already stretched to four weeks because of the COVID-19 outbreak, and we are moving into online and distance learning. It's possible that this break will last until the end of the school year. I know there are millions of parents who have suddenly been thrown into homeschooling their kids, and millions of students who are suddenly on their own as you try to get through all of this and as you, as you prepare for your next step. I want to help. So I figured I would try to make some individual lessons that would sound pretty much like the literature classes I've been teaching for two decades, so that people could maybe use this as a resource. Let me warn you, I do not know what I'm doing with this whole podcast thing. I am using literature that is in the public domain because I don't know how to handle copyrights. I have downloaded my first recording software, and I have written a script, and I am sitting in my car now because my bedroom had too much echo and the closet was too cramped, and I'm trying not to talk too fast. There will probably be skips and glitches and moments when I cough or something, all of which I'm sorry for. I have gotten help from a former student who has his own podcast. Many thanks to AJ Hart for the advice and support. Please check out his work with the Spiritual Successors podcast and with Fractoid Films. But as a podcaster, I have no idea what I'm doing. The content, though, teaching literature? That, I know what I am doing. This is a little different from how I normally read short stories with my classes, because I don't have anyone here to discuss this with, to bounce ideas off of, to ask questions and answer questions, which generally guides the analysis of the piece. But I'm going to do my best. As a general disclaimer, let me state that literature never has only one interpretation, one right explanation. Reading is an ongoing conversation, and the meaning is negotiated between the parties, the writer and the reader. In this situation, then, I am the reader, and so the interpretation here is going to be mine. But this is not the answer to this work. Especially not this work. My hope is that by reading through this piece and talking through my understanding of it, it will help others to understand it and to find their own ideas about it. Hopefully we'll also give you some practice with the process of reading and thinking about literature. And that will help you with everything else in life. Because literature is about life, about the human condition and the world we live in. Learning about literature is learning about the world and about our place in it. So let's get started. This episode, we're going to be reading one of the most famous and most famously misunderstood of all American poems, The Road Not Taken by the great Robert Frost. I highly recommend that you have a paper copy of the poem in front of you or copy paste it into a document on a screen in front of you so you can read along and make comments and notes. Since literature is a conversation, you can't just listen to what the author has to say. You need to participate. You need to talk back. I'm using the text from the Poetry Foundation at poetryfoundation.org, though honestly, I don't really need the text. I've taught this one so many times that I know it by heart, and you probably do too. First, I'm going to read the poem, then I'm going to talk a little about the structure, then we'll get into the meaning of the poem and what people have thought it has meant but doesn't. Also, I'd like to note that, inspired by this poem, I'm going to be taking a different path for this episode. For this one, after this part, the analysis will be unscripted. So if it's crap, you'll know what made all the difference. Here we go. The Road Not Taken 
by Robert Frost. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler, long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I... I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Okay, vocabulary. There's not much. Uh, Frost tended to use simple vocabulary, which fits also with the structure, but um, two words, diverged, used a couple of times in the first and the fourth stanzas, means to separate from another route and go in a different direction. And it has a strong sense of splitting off away from the main path, which is interesting. And then trodden um, in the third stanza um, is the past perfect tense of tread, meaning step on. So tread, trod, had trodden. Structure-wise, the poem is in four five-line stanzas, with each in a repeating rhyme scheme, A-B, A-A-B, with the second and fifth lines rhyming, and the first, third, and fourth all rhyming. It's close to iambic tetrameter, with four unemphasized beats per line and four emphasized beats per line, uh, in a soft-loud, 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 soft-loud pattern, but it varies that by adding an extra unemphasized syllable per line, sometimes two, so that each line has about eight or nine syllables. Overall, it sounds very much like natural speech, which was something that Frost did particularly well. So then, what does it mean? So, like I said, this is one of the most famously misunderstood poems, and there's a reason for that. And the main reason is because Frost meant it to be. So I think the best thing to do here is really just to follow along the path that Frost set out for us, because he wanted, I think, layers of interpretation for there to be a first impression, a second impression, and then probably a third impression. All right, so first impression is honestly that it's just a story of somebody walking through the woods, and they find a split in the path, and they decide which path they should take. It's as simple as that because it has entirely naturalistic uh, descriptions. There's, it's a yellow wood, the, one of the, the roads bends in the undergrowth, um, he looks at one because it's grassy, both that morning have leaves on them. I mean, it's all, it's just right there. There's nothing more than that. Two roads, somebody's walking through the woods, they see a split in the road, there's a fork in the path, and they choose left or right. That's all it is. But one of the problems with interpreting poetry is it's pretty easy to find an interpretation like that, something that's pretty simple. But to do that, you have to ignore parts of the poem. There are parts of this poem that don't fit with the idea of someone just walking through the woods, picking a path. And you can only accept that as the answer if you ignore those other parts. But poetry is created as a unit. It is a single thing. Um, and there's nothing unimportant in a poem. Every word, every line is carefully chosen, is carefully crafted. 
So you can't ignore things. You can't just drop things and say, no, it means this. No, no, don't look at that part. Forget about that part. All the rest of it means what I just said. So in this poem, if you're talking about a guy walking through the woods, um, and there's no reason why it's a guy. It's just there's a speaker who is I, and because it's Frost, who is a man, who was a man, we generally use, you know, in casual conversation, we use male pronouns, but there's no reason for that. So the speaker is walking through the woods, and they're just picking, picking a path, right? Except for first, from the very first line, it's roads. I know that's a small thing, but roads don't describe what we normally think of as somebody walking through the woods, what you're walking on. Um, I also guess there's no reason why we have to think that this person is walking, but um, it does talk it does talk about leaves that no step had trodden black, so there are steps. Anyway, so we don't use roads. We say paths. We say things like that. Trails, maybe, through the woods. If it's a road, somehow that doesn't fit. A road is more serious, more permanent, larger than a path through the woods. And then you go on, and he says, sorry, I could not travel both and be one traveler. First of all, that's a weird thought to have if you're just walking through the woods, is I'm only one person. I can only take one path. But also, why couldn't you take both paths? Why couldn't you walk down one path, see where it went, and then backtrack all the way back to the, the fork in the path and take the other path? I mean, I know you wouldn't, but it's not that you couldn't. And he says, I could not travel both and be one traveler. So again, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the idea of it being just somebody walking through the woods. Um, the, the second stanza kind of all fits with walking through the woods. But uh, the third stanza, oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. Continuing on to the last stanza with, I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Okay. Nobody tells the story of that time they were walking through the woods and they found a fork in the path and they spent some time deciding which way to go and then the story goes, grandchildren of mine, because it's ages and ages hence, as you, you sit on my lap, I'll tell you of the time I was in the woods and I went left. That's not a story. Nobody tells that story. It's not ages and ages hence, especially not with a sigh, Okay. And then saying the last two lines, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. That That's not a story about somebody choosing Path of the Woods. So, it isn't that. So then, if it's not just somebody walking through the woods, what is it? And the, the plain answer, of course, is that it's roads diverging, and you have to choose, and it's hard to choose, and that's a story you're going to tell for, you know somewhere far down the line of this choice that you made. That implies choice in life. The, the road of life, the path of life, making choices on the road through life is an incredibly common metaphor because we're going on a journey through life. And so, of course, we use roads as a way to describe that. So it's a very quick symbol to, to it's a very quick symbolic concept to come up with that he's talking about choices in life. And that makes perfect sense with everything in here if you accept it as a metaphor, right? That the road's diverging in a wood is a choice in life. The wood is life somehow is, you know, and maybe that's just something like um, you can't see the end of it because you're surrounded by trees. You can't see where you're going. It's not a plane. Um, and you have the roads that diverge and that explains why you can't travel both because you can't make both sides of a choice and take live two lives. You're only one person. And then the third stanza, the, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. That makes perfect sense. Um, so, all right, it's choosing a path through life. And how does this person choose this path through life? They stand and they think about it and they look down one as far as they can. They try to predict 
where this path through life is going to take them. Um, and then they choose based on which one has been walked less, which one is less common, which in the, the words of the poem is the one less traveled by. So in terms of life choices, what does that mean? That means the one that is not the most common choice, the uncommon choice, to be uncommon, to be unique, to be individual, to be a nonconformist. That's what he's talking about. Um, I, in the second stanza, I took the other as just as fair, but having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, so it hasn't been worn. And that's a nice idea, too, because wear means that something is kind of broken down and kind of beat up. So you don't want to take the one that's already been worn down. You want to take the fresh one, the new one, the different one. I want to be different and unique, so I'll take that one. Um, and so looking at it this way, you are immediately drawn to the ending, the last three lines, because he sets this up in the fourth in the in the fourth stanza, the last stanza, by saying, I should be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. So that is building up to the moment that he's the story that he's going to tell. And so then the last three lines are like a summary of this story. So it's it's wonderful. You only have to read these three lines to understand Robert Frost's point. You can forget about the rest of the poem because it's just a repetition. All that matters is those three lines. And this is what people have done. And Frost, I think, intentionally set this up for us, that we would look at these last three lines and ignore the rest of the poem. And so the last three lines are, Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. And we go, boom, that's it. Take the one less traveled by. Be unique. Be a nonconformist. Don't follow the, 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 the herd. Be your own person, and that will make all the difference. And there's our understanding of this poem. It's all about not being like everybody else. It's all about being yourself, being unique. Take the road less traveled by. Sweet. Except, that's not the whole story either. And this is the thing that, that people are proud of knowing, and in a lot of cases actually mock other people for not knowing, and I did the same thing myself. Uh, I heard this poem first, read this poem in, in, I think in high school, I don't remember exactly, but somewhere around there, and had the same idea. Take the road less traveled by, that'll make all the difference. Be a nonconformist. I liked that. I was, in a lot of ways, a nonconformist. I didn't want to be like other people. So it was a cool poem. And then when I got to college and I studied literature, I had a class in Robert Frost. And my professor broke this down for us and showed me that that's not really what this poem is saying. But, like I said, Frost built this in there. He created this mini-summary at the end of his poem. And I think it's because he wanted people to focus on that and probably to get the wrong impression. Because... The thought process of getting the wrong impression, thinking a certain thing is the right answer, and then maybe over time, hopefully, uh, hopefully you don't walk away from the poem after that. Hopefully you come back to it like I did in college several years later, or, you know, after another encounter of the poem. And then you realize, you think about it more, and you think, okay, wait, that's not the whole story. This isn't the whole thing. And that's exactly what he's trying to create in this. So that's why he put it there. Um, but because he put it there... That means thinking that thought, that this is about not being like everybody else, that it's about being different, is a right thought. It's just not the last thought. Robert Frost wanted us to think that. He made the poem so that we would think that, but he was hoping that we would continue thinking and come back to it and understand what the poem really is saying, which is not just that. So that's 
a step along the path. And that's a very intentional metaphor for me. But I think it's also something that Frost was thinking about, that it's about a progression. It's way leads on to way. There's a way to read the poem, and then there's another way to read the poem. And so far we've been through two, okay? Natural walk through the woods, not that. It's about being different. But here's the thing with that, okay? Now we're going to go into the third way to read this poem. If it's just about walking through the... Or sorry, if it's not about walking through the woods, if it's about living your life and making a choice in life and you choose based on which one is less common, you take the less traveled path, look at what actually happens in this story. First, if you go to the, the... Come down to the word level and think about the meaning I said for diverge. Two roads diverge in a yellow wood. That doesn't say which one is the main path. It just says two roads diverged. And the word diverge means split off the main path. So there's a couple ways to see this. One is that there's actually a third path, which is the main path, and both of these roads diverge from that main path. And so then how do you know which one is really the less traveled road? Which one is the main road? Which one's not? Without that, if it's even just two roads, if they both diverge, does that mean that they're diverging from each other which makes sense in terms of sort of the geography, but also does that make one of them the main path and the other one the split-off path? Because like the split-off path would seem like the less traveled one, right? It would be the one that would be less common, the, the smaller path in some ways. So you want the diverging path, but they both diverge from each other. So that seems to imply that both of them are kind of main paths and both of them are kind of split-off paths. And then you go from there, and you, so he can't be both, the, the speaker can't be, take both paths. And so, long I stood, in the first stanza, and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Okay, sure. You're trying to make a choice in life, and you look down one. You try to predict what's going to be down that path. And you see, probably not very far. He's in the woods, and where a path would disappear behind the undergrowth is probably not very far away. You can't really see very far down the path. But look what he does. He just chooses the other path. So he looks down the path on the left, the road on the left, say, and then he takes the road on the right, second stanza, then took the other as just as fair. He doesn't say he looked down both paths. He looked down both roads. He just looks down one, and then without looking down the other one, he takes the other one, which is weird. He says that that one is just as fair. So they're equal. Wait a second. I thought we were looking for the one that was different, the one that was less traveled, the one that we could see is clearly not the common path. But if it's just as fair, then they're equal. But okay, it has perhaps the better claim. There's a lot of uncertainty there. It's making a claim, which means it's an argument, not a definite factual, you know, clear response, like a, a, a definition of it. You can't know that this road is the best road. It's just claiming it's a better road, or it has a better claim to being the best road. It didn't even say that it's the, the claim to be the better road, right? It just says the better claim. Claim to what? Claim to be the path you should take? Claim to be the more interesting path? Claim to be the scenic path? Claim to be the, the fun path? Who knows? It just has the better claim. And it's perhaps the better claim. So maybe not the better claim. So all of this is very uncertain, right? And then you look at the past. He's looking for the one that is different, that is unusual. He says... Because I took this path because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. Last two lines of the second stanza tell us that neither path 
is less traveled. The passing there had worn them really about the same. They are equal. They are the same. They are just as fair. Continuing into the third stanza, and both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. So, first of all, again, they're equal. They are the same. There's no difference between them. The other thing is, how do you know that it's grassy and wants wear? They're both covered in leaves. You can't even see the grass. You can't even see the path. You have no idea which one is the more common path, which one is the more walked-on path. So how does he know which one's less traveled? He doesn't. He guesses. It's a guess. He has no idea. He's making it up. He's not even trying to be logical. He only looks down one path, and then he takes the other path. And then you look at the summary at the end, right? These last stanzas. Two roads diverge in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. What difference? Is that a good difference? Is it a bad difference? If these two roads lead you to two different lives, right? Um, say, uh, it, it could be anything, because we don't actually know exactly what this choice is supposed to mean. Um, so let's just take a, a, a random choice that people make in life. Married or single, okay? Left is married, right is single. No reason why I picked those two directions. Left is married, right is single. Uh, I'm very happily married, by the way. Uh, so if you are trying to make that decision and you're looking at this is my life married and this is my life single, then if you take the married path, it's going to make all the difference from your single life. But if you take the single path, it's going to make all the difference from your married life. And if we could like quantify these and put numbers on them, it would be exactly the same difference if one of them has... I'm just making this up. If one of them has a value of 10 and the other has a value of 5, then in both cases, your choice makes a difference of 5. It's either plus 5 or minus 5, but it's the same difference. So both paths make all the difference, the exact same difference. There, there's, there's nothing between them. There's nothing here to choose between them. There's no meaning in saying that he took the road less traveled by. It doesn't mean anything. Okay, Let's talk about life choices, just to make this more clear. Um, married and single is a bad choice, because that's a weird one. But if we talk about, say, college or career, there's a real common choice, and probably one that a number of you are facing and thinking about. Should I go to college? Should I get a job? So which one is the less traveled path? Now, you might be able to guess. You probably know which one the less traveled path in your immediate uh, surroundings, like my family, for instance, I know which one's the more traveled path. Not everyone in my family went to college, but the majority of people in my family went to college. In my immediate family, we all went to college. But out of cousins, uncles, grandparents, most but not all went to college, so I know that. But in my state, in my let's start with town. Like in my high school, most people went to college. But in my town, I don't know which one's more common. In my state, I know even less which one was more common. In my country, in the world, who knows? How do you know which one's less traveled? You're guessing. No matter what, you're guessing. Even if you had a worldwide survey, surveys are also imperfect things. And also, the problem with this is, that is not just a simple choice. There's not only two choices. There's not only two roads through the wood. If you're choosing college or career, what about military? Is that career or is that college? What if you're going to go in the military for four years and then get out of the military and go to college? 
What about that? What if you're planning to go down one path for a little while and then jump to the other path? What if you're going to take a gap year and get a job for a year and, and save money and then go to college? Which choice are you making? Are you choosing career or are you choosing college? What if you're going to go to college, but then you're going to pause and go out into the world and work and then maybe go back to college? Which path are you choosing then? And that too. Why can't you jump paths? Lots of people jump paths. My wife went to, to a career, had worked until she was 25, and then she went to college. Which path is that? I mean, it's both. And I mean, there's, there's all kinds of other paths, right? There's have a family, which isn't necessarily either of those paths. It could be both those paths. You could, and that's another thing. You can walk both paths. You can have a full-time job while you go to college. So, and you can talk about this with any of these kinds of decisions. There are no either or decisions in life. And there's no decisions that are, you know, you can predict exactly what that decision is going to lead you to. So you can't know which one's the better path. Okay, and then you're looking back, right? So what have we got? We've got the story of trying to make a decision. And if you think about it, the way we make decisions in life, this actually fits that really, really well. Because like I said, you can't predict much down the path you're going to take if you say you're going to go to, you know, if you're going to take choice A or choice B, you don't know where that's actually going to lead. You can see a little way down the path, not very far, just to where it bends in the undergrowth. And then you don't know which one's the better path. Okay? You can't tell. And so how do you know at the end of your life that this path made all the difference, how do you know the other path would have been worse? If that's how you imagine this. If you imagine this as, this made all the difference and my life was better by that difference, how do you know that? I went to college right out of high school, but what if I'd gone into a career? Would my life have been better? Here's a fun one for me, relating to all these things. Um, I was, believe it or not, a terrible student in high school. I love telling this to my students. I failed senior English. Um, I skipped a lot of class. I was really smart, but I was also very lazy and troubled in a number of ways. And so I didn't do my work and I didn't study very hard and I didn't go to class. And I just, I, I blew my opportunities. And so I graduated by the skin of my teeth with not nearly a good enough GPA to go to university. So that's step one. Step two is I grew up in Massachusetts. I moved to California for college. It's a long story why, it doesn't matter, but I moved to California for college. Um, and I wanted to go to the University of California at Santa Cruz, it's a four-year university, but I couldn't get in because I didn't have the grades in high school, so I went to a community college. Now, the reason why I chose UC Santa Cruz was not good. It was essentially random. I mean, it was a good school, but my reason for choosing it was essentially random. There was no real reason for me to choose it, other than I wanted to move to California, and that seemed like a good place to be. Um, so it happened that there was a community college in Santa Cruz that had a gate program that led to the University of California at Santa Cruz. And so I went to that community college in order to transfer to UCSC, right? Sorry, too much story. So I went to that community college because I was a bad student in high school. And so my bad choice to be a bad student in high school and then my maybe good choice to go to college led me to this place. While I was there, my counselor gave me bad information and what should have been two years before I transferred turned into three years. So I had an unfortunate bump, right? And so it's too bad. I had to spend three years at this community college before I managed to transfer to UCSC where I could get my degree. 
Except here's the thing. In the third year, while I was at that community college, I met the woman who has been my wife. I've been with her for 25 years now. She is the love of my life. She is my everything. And if I hadn't been a terrible student in high school, if I hadn't essentially randomly chosen to move to Santa Cruz and ended up at this community college, and if I had transferred when I should have, I would never have met her. If those things hadn't gone the way that they went, I would never have met the love of my life. So was it the right path or the wrong path? Who knows? Who can say? It's impossible to say. I mean, maybe if I'd gone to a different, if I'd gone to, if I'd been a good student in high school and gone to a different university, I would have met somebody even better. I can't imagine that, but it's possible, of course. So maybe I'd have a different marriage, a happy marriage, just an entirely different one. Maybe I'd have, who knows? How can you possibly know what would be on the other path? You can't. He talks about that. You can't walk both paths and be one traveler. You can't travel both roads and be one traveler. You can only travel one road. And then in the third stanza, he says, I kept the first for another day. So you think, okay, I'll do this thing later. I'm going to do this other thing now. I'm going to take choice A now. I'll do choice B later. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. So who knows? You can't walk it. You can't know. Who knows if it's better? It's impossible to say. So then, why is he telling this story with a sigh? What we're left with now is it's a little melancholy. It's a little bit sad. I think that sigh is, and, and you, you heard it when I read it, there's a, a long dash after the third line of the fourth stanza where he says, two roads diversion of wood and I, and then there's a pause, and he says, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. So there's a long sigh there. And that sigh, that melancholy, which also was in the first stanza with sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could. This is, where's that melancholy coming from? It's not from what happens on the paths, because especially in the first part, sorry I could not travel both, he has no idea what's going to happen along those roads. You have no idea what's going to happen in your life after you make this choice. No, no, no idea at all. And at the end of his life, when he's looking back, he also has no idea what really dif what, what difference it really made that he chose one road over the other road. He doesn't know. But he's still sighing. He's still sorry. He's still melancholy. Okay, and here's the final clue to this. The title. Look at the title. Most people who think of this poem think that it's called The Road Less Traveled By, if they remember it well, because that's the key element in those, those final three lines. That's what we remember the most clearly, but it's not. It's called The Road Not Taken. So what this whole thing is really about is not actually the road that he chose or the road that, that how he chose the road. It's thinking about the road the speaker didn't choose. This poem is about regret. This poem is about overthinking your choices, your life choices, and telling yourself, I should have done that other thing. Man, I should have done that other thing. Because we do this all the time. And what's worst is we do it before we make the choice. We think before we make the choice, which choice is going to lead to more regret? We also think which one's going to lead to happiness. I hope. I hope we think that. But we think, which one will make me sad if I go that way? 
and then we choose away from that. Look at that that stanza, the first two stanzas that I was talking about, how silly it was, how strange it was that the speaker looks down one and then takes the other without looking down it. But think how common that is. People think, I don't want to work a nine to five job in a cubicle, right? That sounds boring. I don't want to do that. What are you going to do? I don't know. Not that. So if path A is nine to five job in a cubicle, I'm taking path B. I'm taking the other road. Where's it go? I don't know. I'm just not taking the road to the cubicle job. That's all I know. We do that all the time. Uh, I don't want to get married. I think marriage is weird. Okay. What are you going to do with your, your romantic life? I don't know. I'm just not going to get married. I'm avoiding that. Um, when I was a kid, I, I at one point wanted to do science, but then I decided I did not want to do science. My father's a scientist, and I didn't want to be like him, not in terms of his career. So I went, no science for me. Would I have been better if I'd gone into science? I don't know, maybe. I liked science. I liked biology. I could have done that. Might have been better off. But I can't know. So I guessed. But I thought about it, right? This speaker thinks about it. Long I stood. I don't know how long, but some period of time, and it's a sad period of time because he's sorry, the speaker is sorry, trying to figure out which path to take, worrying about it. And then at the end of the speaker's life, when he's telling this story, I, with a sigh, it's sad, but why? How do you know the other path would have been better? How do you know the other road would have led you to a different place. I mean, if I had gone into science, let's say, it still wouldn't have changed my grades. My grades were what they were. I still would have been, I still would have probably gone to the same college because I wanted to move to California and that was a college I knew about. And I knew about this community college. So I might've been in the same place. I still might've taken extra time. I might just be, you know, in biology would very easily lead me to being a science teacher instead of an English teacher. So maybe instead of this podcast, I'd be talking about, you know, mitosis. I'd have a podcast on mitosis. But otherwise, I'd be living the same life, just as one change. How do you know? You can't. How do you know there would really be any difference? Maybe you end up in the same place. You can't know. So it doesn't make any sense for us to be sorry about this, to worry about this. There's no reason for us to regret choices we haven't made yet, and there's no reason for us to regret choices when we don't know how those choices would have ended up. I mean, if you know the choice, right? If the choice is jump off this cliff, then you know how one choice is going to end up and you know how the other choice is going to end up. And you can say with confidence that this was the right choice and that was the wrong choice. But if you don't know, and you mostly don't know because you're in the woods and you can't see very far down the road, and chances are there's other roads. And also chances are you can blaze your own road if you want. You can blaze your own path. You can just walk off the road entirely into the woods, make something up. And you'll never know if that was the right choice or the wrong choice. Never. You can't know. You cannot travel both roads and be one traveler. So why be sorry? Why regret? The nice thing is that way leads on to way. No choice is the final choice. When he says you can't travel both roads, that's true, but you can travel other roads that parallel these roads and you can probably have pretty much the same experience. Um, 
You can, you know, go to a career and then change and go to college and you can have the college experience. You'll be a little older. You won't be quite the same person. It won't be quite the same road as if you had gone straight out of high school, but you can still walk that road. You can still go to college or the other way around. You can, you can leave college and go to a career and then you can change careers and then you can go back to college. You can do anything that you want. And there's no reason to think that the road you're on is the only road that you'll be able to take. There's no reason to think that that difference you made in that choice you made way back when is all the difference. You can change that difference piece by piece by piece by piece by piece just by making different choices, by making new choices. What you don't want to do is is make choices that then limit your future choices. That's probably something to be avoided. But even that, maybe it's still the right choice. Maybe a path that, you know, a road that leads you to some bad things might make you in the end a better and happier person. You can't know. All you can do is make the best guess that you can based on very limited evidence, probably just looking at a path and guessing which one looks like, looks like a better path, looks grassier, which one looks nicer. That's all you got. But the point is, don't be sorry. Don't regret. Love your life. Love your road. You can always change it. Thank you for listening. Uh, I hope this has been helpful and not just me rambling too much about philosophy and life and things like that. Uh, I will say, as my students are aware, this is exactly what my classes feel like. Uh, it is a lot of talking about things that are not exactly what's on the page in front of us, but are related. And this is, I think, the idea. This is how the conversation comes about. You have the conversation and whatever comes to your mind is part of the conversation. Um, so I hope this has been a useful conversation. Um, if you have any comments or questions or concerns you would like to raise, then please visit my website, www.theodenhumphrey.com, and leave me a note through the contact page. Thanks very much.